So our series on people having met Jesus is continuing today. And after today, we've got two more Sundays before we uh, do some other things over the month of March. Over the last few weeks, I've been uh, learning about different aspects of God. And hopefully you've been doing the same as well, thinking, oh, God's like this, God's like that. And also, of course, I've been thinking about human uh, characteristics and been thinking, oh, yeah, that person that's maybe Nick or me or Andy spoke about, they're just like me. And so I see me in the Bible as well, and hopefully you do the same as well. I'm going to start off with a difficult question, though. Well, maybe difficult, I'm not sure. Here it is. Who is your favourite biblical character? Don't think about it, just tell me. Mary? Joseph? Peter? Ruth? Paul, sorry, I thought he said Vaughan, and I thought I've never heard of him in the Bible. Paul, brilliant. Anyone at the back on this side? Barbara? Mary and Ruth. And Tanya, who's your favourite? Mary, lovely. Alan, you got an opinion there? I know you didn't think I was going to ask you because you're sitting at the back there, but... (laughs) Fantastic. We've all got ideas about who our favourite one is. And sometimes, to me, it just depends on the day of the week because tomorrow I'll be reading a different passage of Scripture and so I'll be thinking, oh, no, it's not that person that I thought of yesterday. It's this person. Now, of course, four years ago, we did this series of talks, Big Hero, Small Story, where we... Uh, looked at four, maybe, uh, people that you don't hear very much about, but their lives were brilliant and they pointed us to Jesus as well. So it might be that it, it could be Job or Paul or some of the big heroes of the faith. Or it might be uh, Lydia. Or it might be Jethro. Or it might be uh, Reuben or someone like that. You know, someone that you don't hear a lot about, but still their lives reflect something about wanting to know about God. And so, as you can tell from the reading that Jill did for us, my favourite character today, at least, it will be different tomorrow, like I say, is Moses. We're going to be thinking about Moses today. We know he was a real giant of the faith, wasn't he? he? One of the reasons I like him today was he was a bit of a weak chap, because sometimes he overstepped the mark, sometimes he got things wrong, but he was really keen. He wanted to follow God, he wanted to know God. And so I think that makes him a good person to look at in their life and say, yeah, I want to be a bit like him. Totally, I want to be like Jesus, but some people in the Bible give you ideas about other things as well that you'd like to have in, in your life. He trained for life in various ways, I love round numbers. And again, this is one of the reasons I like Moses. It's the 40, 40, 40. I think that's amazing. I don't know if you're logical like that and enjoy a bit of maths on the side or something like that. But for me, having the 40, 40, 40 just is very appealing in his life. So his life can be split into three sections of 40 years each. The first 15 verses of Exodus cover 40 years and are set in Egypt. He's born to Jewish parents who hide him because Pharaoh, who was the chap in charge of Egypt at the time, commanded that all Hebrew babies or Hebrew boys should be killed 
because they were growing and uh, growing in number, the Israelites, the Hebrews. And so he didn't want them to take over from the Egyptians. Of course, I think God's got a great sense of humour because Pharaoh banned all the Hebrew boys from being born. But who was it who found Moses when he was a baby? The daughter of Pharaoh. And I just think that is wonderful because God had it all sorted. So Pharaoh might have said to himself, oh, I don't want any of these. But unbeknown to him, God had it all planned. And one of the Hebrew boys that he didn't want to be in his kingdom was actually in his palace, having his nourishment from, from Pharaoh, being educated by people who Pharaoh paid for. I think it's a jolly good thing that God's in charge and he does things that surprise us. That's the first 40 years or so. He was in Egypt. But of course then he saw an Egyptian maltreating one of the uh, Hebrews. And so he looked this way and that way and he killed him. I suppose he didn't mean to, but he just didn't want one of the Hebrew slaves to be beaten like he was being done. He realised he was no longer safe in Egypt. So he escaped to a place called Midian. Now, if we think about Midian today, that's probably the northern part of Saudi Arabia. So it's desert. It's not very nice. It's not like you're going to a, a, a nice place to uh, escape Pharaoh. You go into a place that is harsh. You go into a place that's got no luxuries. And yet God did something there. Sometimes we hear uh, people praying, oh Lord, this is a bit difficult. Will you help me not be in this wilderness? But sometimes God takes us to the wilderness on purpose because he says, I want to speak to you. And I can see you're a bit busy. So I'm going to take you to the wilderness because I want you to hear me. I want you to know that I love you. His character changed while he was in the wilderness. And probably there he started becoming aware of God's voice. And the incident, of course, that Jill read about happened in the wilderness. The place where we try and keep away from was where God really spoke to Moses and his life totally changed because of it. Moses' education lasted a long time. Yes, he had great education in Egypt because Pharaoh's household would have had the best, wouldn't they? But on his own, while he was tending sheep and goats and things, he would have learnt a lot more. His training would have continued. I think of David as well, King David. And remember how he was a shepherd before he became a leader of people, he did things that normal people wouldn't have wanted to do. Just like Moses here, going into the wilderness where most people don't want to go, and then God made him into someone, a leader that he could use. And what uh, Moses was thinking about while he was in the wilderness, he'd have had hours to think, wouldn't he? Oh, I wish I was back in Egypt. We hear that later, don't we, in the, in the next few uh, chapters. Under what it's like being in Pharaoh's house again. Oh, I wish I hadn't have done that. But God sorted it out. God used the situation for his glory. It was a long time, 40 years, being in the wilderness. 
being just being trained by God. And just as an aside, and it's just a tiny little thing, really, it was 1986 that I started at Bible College. And then 30 years later, I was asked to lead NCF part-time. So that was 30 years. I was doing things in my life. God was doing things. I was learning about things. I need more than 30 years to learn about how to be a Christian and how to be a leader. And so the, the training for me is continuing. But it's the same for all of us, I think, isn't it? Sometimes God will ask you to do something, and it's a long time before it happens. And all we need to do is say, Lord, I'm still available. I'm still willing. What are you teaching me? What do you want to do in my life so that I can better assist and love and encourage other people today and in the future? So after those 40 years, because we're on the last lot of 40 years now, he returned to Egypt and talked to the new pharaoh with the help of his brother. It wasn't comfortable what he had to say. But in the end, as many of us know, he led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they crossed the Red Sea into freedom. We know it should have taken two or three weeks to go from Egypt to their promised land, to Canaan. But this is where the next 40 comes in, because it took 40 years. And you probably remember, because that was because people weren't saying, Lord, whatever you say, I'll do it, I'll obey. But they're saying, oh, I'd rather go back to Egypt, or I'd rather do it my way, Lord. There's a, a word that begins with an S, sin. That's what stopped them from going into Canaan in two or three weeks and them taking 40 years instead. So for the rest of the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, we read about all of what the Israelites are doing going around the wilderness. Of course, also in all those books, we read about what the holy and living God was saying to them at the same time. He was keen to follow God despite making mistakes. And if you're a house group in, or the Monday Fellowship in this room on Monday, you'd have, you'd have heard us say, oh yeah, Exodus 33, verse 11. And it says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So all of this training was wonderful and needed and so important because as a result of being trained in the wilderness and being trained in Pharaoh's house as well, he spoke to God face to face. He went into God's presence and heard things that God said to him to take on to the people of Israel. There's a third reason. He's an important person in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So, we see him at the transfiguration. Remember, Jesus went on the mountain and he was joined by Moses and Elijah because Moses was all about the law and Jesus came to fulfill the law and to pay for the punishment that the law demanded. Also, when uh, we read about faith from the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 there, Moses gets Verses and verses about his life. He was a man of faith. And when the first martyr, Stephen, was about to die, he gave a speech. And in Acts 7, where it's recorded, he speaks a lot about Moses. So, yeah, he's a lot in the Old Testament, 
but quite a bit in the New Testament as well. So that's why I want us to speak about Moses this morning, because of all those reasons. But what's the main point of this morning? I love it when people just put a little title at the front, and I think, all oh, right, now I've got something to consider and think about as the person's talking. So this morning, I want us to think about the otherness of God. It's just a word that came into my mind earlier in the week, and I was thinking, yeah, the otherness of God. It's not something I use a lot, that word, so I looked it up. And it's the being or feeling different in appearance or character from what is familiar, expected, or generally accepted. And it's the state or fact of being different or distinct. God is distinct from us. We're made in his image, but we're not the same. God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. God is so way above what we're thinking, just like Fiona was saying earlier on. I've read Isaiah chapter four, chapter 40 many times, and maybe you have as well. And that just, and many of the Psalms do the same thing. They sort of describe God and say, oh, he's amazing. And yet we're accepted by him, even though we're nowhere near as brilliant and marvelous as God. He's not just in another league. We're just separated vastly one league to the other. God can surprise us, and he often will. And that's just like in the story from the Bible that Jill read to us today and we're going to be thinking about. So let's set the scene a little bit. Moses wasn't at church praising God with other Christians. That's the easiest place sometimes to hear from God, isn't it? Sometimes you hear someone speak in tongues or someone sort of say, oh, I really feel this is what God's saying because sometimes it's just quite a lot easier when we're worshipping God together to hear from God. We're kind of better tuned that way. Moses wasn't doing that. Moses was at work. God spoke to Moses while he was at work in a desert. Remember how we said already, we don't want to be in a desert. And yet that's where for 40 years Moses worked. And that's where God spoke to him. But he spoke to him in a very strange and unexpected way. Most scholars think that Mount Horeb, which is what the uh, place is called in, Acts chapter, in Exodus chapter 30, Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are the same mountain. It's just that maybe they're different parts of it, different sides of it. Or maybe it might be over time, it was just called a different name. But when you see Mount Horeb, just think Mount Sinai, because they're one and the same, many people think. Remember, Moses went to Mount Sinai, not just on this occasion, but on several occasions, to speak with God and listen to God. That's where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. So the normal place of work was a desert. But he stopped doing what he was expecting to do. I can't imagine a life as a shepherd, but you can, well, we're going to try. It's all right if we try and imagine. Because 
and all this sort of stuff. You know, you get the idea. There's loads of sheep and goats that you're looking after because you're looking for predators. You're looking for other people that might come and steal them. So you're looking at the sheep and you're sort of walking around because it's a nomadic life, isn't it? It's mainly desert, so you're looking for a bit of an oasis, a bit of a, a plant here, a plant there, just so you're goats and your herd of sheep or whatever it might be, your flock of sheep, your herd of goats is, is going well and they're sort of not getting uh, malnourished. So he's looking at the, uh, his sheep and his goats and things. But suddenly over there, what catches his attention? A bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed by the fire. That's a bit odd. I wonder what we'd have done. Do you think, just ignore that. I'm not sure about what that. I'm just going to carry on roaming. I'm going to carry on being a nomad, looking after my sheep, because that's what I need to do for my father-in-law. Jeff Rowe, I've got to look after them. These are really important. And our livelihood, our lives depend on looking after those. But he stopped what he was doing, and he turns to what God is doing. Moses' response to God when he did something unexpected was to focus his eyes on what God was doing and to turn away from what he was doing. I bet your life is pretty busy. Can I just share a little bit about my life? There we go. Here's my life. I've got a lot of things to do during the week. Household chores. Just pop those in. Walks. Yeah, I love walking on my own and walking with Jill. Wonderful. Let's pop that in as well. Eating. Anyone with me likes eating? Yeah, brilliant. Okay. Uh, Listening to music or watching the television. Yeah, I think most of us do that as well. That's brilliant. Uh, I'm self-employed as being employed by the church, so I have to do my accounts quite a lot, so I like doing that. I enjoy that. Oh, you can tell it's uh, Valentine's Day tomorrow. Jill, and I put a love heart there, look. Yeah, so I spend a lot of time with Jill. That's part of my week as well. I'm visiting people. Yes, brilliant. Music lessons, because I'm a piano teacher as well as working for the church, preparing for Sundays. Yeah, I spend a lot of time with that. You can see it's a big piece of paper. I spend a lot of time with that. Oh, here's a big thing. Sleep. I spend a lot of time sleeping, but it's all part of my life. It all goes in there. John's life. There's something really good. This is even 3D. Because God is important to me. So God goes in the box as well. But he's bigger than anything else. He's more important. That's my life. Is that how your life is as well? This week, and many other weeks as well, let me be honest. God said, that's not the way to live your life for me. I don't want to be in your box. Take me out of your box. I heard God say it. I don't want to be in your box. I don't want to go your way. I want you to listen to me.
I need to go in God's box. Now, this isn't to scale, let me tell you. If I was trying to do a box for God, there'll be the whole building. But this is to give you the idea. We don't put God in our box. That's such a cheeky thing to do, a terrible thing to do. Lord, I'll fit you into my life 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day. Oh, tomorrow I'm going to give you half an hour. God doesn't want us to do that. God says, be with me. See things from my perspective. That's what God says. And to me, when I hear that, when I hear that, I sort of say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry that I've made you small enough to fit into the box of my life. When you are huge, you are amazing, you are brilliant, and I should follow you and do what you say rather than just give you a minuscule amount of time in my life. I remember what John the Baptist said. He must increase and I must decrease. And again, I want to be honest, I don't say that enough to God. I hear God speak and I'm really grateful I have a good relationship. You might think, oh, he's a terrible person. But all I'm doing is being honest. But in my life, sometimes I put God into my box of confi- trying to confine him to what I think I should be doing rather than saying to God, Lord, I open my heart to you. I open my life to you. What do you want me to do? What can I do that would be right what I need to do today? We may need to make God the centre of our lives, don't we? And that means going into his presence. It's not just not giving God enough time. It just means putting him first and saying, Lord, whatever happens, you come first. You are the Lord. It's not me. Sometimes when you hear people's uh, writing about their lives and all their autobiographies or even a biography by other people, It's all about them. But that's not how we should be as followers of Jesus, is it? Our lives should all be about God. And people should see God when they see us. Our actions, our words should reflect what God is doing. Do my normal and often God-honouring routines get in the way of God sometimes. I've got routines that are really good and work well and I give time to God and listen to him. But maybe sometimes I should start the day and say, I've got a routine, I've got ideas of what I need to do today. But Lord, I want to be open to you more. I want to be ready for you to speak in that burning bush situation and not for me to ignore it. You can see that at the bottom, there's a fire extinguisher on every slide. I'm really good from time to time of putting God's fire out in me. I'm just being honest again. 
and wonder what you're like. If you saw the burning bush, would you say, oh, that's wrong, that can't happen, let me put it out. If God surprises you with something new and different, do you say, Lord, I'm open to that. I might not be ready for it, but I trust you. Or do you say, no, I'm going to get the fire extinguisher to that. That can't be right. It's not what I'm used to. This is not what's been happening the last 30 or 40 years. I don't want to do that, God. God doesn't want us to use fire extinguishers. God wants us to turn to him and say, wow, Lord, you're amazing. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to follow you. The place where Moses was standing was holy ground. And again and again in the Bible, we read such things, don't we? And so when Moses came to God, he took his sandals off, knowing that he had to do that. He was going to a holy place. It was the mountain of God. Do you remember when Isaiah met God? He said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Do you remember when Peter, after the Garden of Gethsemane, was sort of near uh, Jesus, who was being questioned by the authorities, and outside, several people asked him and said, you're with Jesus, aren't you? I can tell it by your Galilean accent, and I've seen you with him. No. 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 Matthew 16, 75, he went outside and wept bitterly. In my life and in your life, when we put out the fire of God, do you actually weep bitterly when you come to realise about it? Or are we so far away from God in a way that we don't even hear him saying, why did you do that? Why did you put that fire out? How is your heart? In Psalm 24, we read, Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those with hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. God hasn't changed. God is still holy. God is expecting us as his children and his followers to lead holy lives as well. Lives that put him first, not just in the business of everything that we're doing, but put him first by saying, Lord, you are everything to me. What can I do that will bless you today? Moses was now paying attention with his heart and his mind. His heart, he was turning to God. And his mind, he was turning to God. And so, the last bit that Jill said, the Lord said. And then there's verses and verses of what the Lord said. It's really easy sometimes as Christians, as believers, to say, yes, Lord, I believe what you said. But Lord, I need your strength to do it. I need your strength to help me through this situation. I need your help, Lord. In my box of my life, I need your strength. 
maybe that's not the thing to pray about. Lord, I need more strength. Maybe say, I need your grace in my life, Lord, to hear you speak, to do what you want me to do, and not just to have my own agendas, my own priorities. So what are we going to be doing over the next few weeks and months? We're going to be listening to God. Let me say something in a really bold way. One thing that you could do is change where you're sitting sometimes. We are expecting new people to come in through the doors like there has been recently. And usually we're all sat at the back. And so there's nowhere for the new people to sit apart from at the front. So what a great idea if we're expecting new people to come if it's possible, not to sit at the very back, but leave that for newbies, people that don't know the Lord, so they can just come in and they don't need any more chairs put out because there's loads of chairs, but the people that know God can sit nearer the front and then maybe new people can sit at the back because it's more comfortable at the back and they can see what's going on. Maybe that's what could happen. I've got another idea as well. A few weeks ago, someone wrote me a letter. Now, it was just anonymous and everything uh, it was just uh, well anonymous to me it was just to every house in our street 128 Wentworth Drive it says so I opened it because I'm usually the one that's in when the post comes and it was from a person I don't know you might have had one of these as well blah 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 it was from a JW who'd written me a handwritten letter just sort of saying yeah this is what I think about this is great and here's a tract you could follow God and it was just someone Writing a letter, I don't know how long that took, five, ten minutes, but it wasn't just to us. It was a stamp and everything on it. How long did they take and how many did they do? It gets better than that. This week, we got a letter for church. Guess who it was from? The Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, yeah, it's great, isn't it? And they put some magazines in, so we could have a look at it now. Of course, I'm just going to recycle these. Because the JWs haven't got it right at all. They're sort of not sort of what they're thinking about. But they've written to us as a church saying, why don't you follow God? Why don't you sort of do this and use these magazines to help you? People around the country and around this town are doing things because they're thinking God is telling them to do it. How wonderful if when God tells us to do something, maybe a bit surprising, maybe a bit like the burning bush, But God tells us to do something, and we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do that. You've said, I'm going to go for it. God wants us to be like a child, to become like a child. Lord, help me to be childlike. Today, as we come to God, we don't come for our own benefit. We come as children because he allows us to come as children and to worship him. Are we willing to show obedience to God, to show holiness to God and humility? Here's a quick prayer. God, I am so sorry for sometimes choosing to ignore you. Please forgive me when I choose to concentrate on my own life rather than trying to glorify you. I submit to you and don't want to extinguish your presence again. Please help me, in Jesus' name. Fiona's going to lead us in a moment in response. But all I want to remind us is, 
as Moses came into God's presence and it was holy crowned. So as we come into God's presence to worship him and to listen to him now, it's holy ground where we say, whatever you want, whatever you wish, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do what you want me to do. So I'm going to do a prayer. Then Fiona's going to come back. So Lord, thank you that you are so amazing and brilliant. And yet you allow us to come and worship you today in our lives, Lord. We are sorry when we get things wrong and want to put you into our box. Lord, we put ourselves at your feet, in your box, and just say, do whatever you like, Lord. We are willing. Help us to be obedient. Give us the grace to do what you want us to do. Amen.